When we think of love, sometimes what comes to mind is a feeling or an emotion, but love is more than that. Hi, it's Josh here, one of the pastors at West Valley Christian Church, and we are on a series called Love Does, where we are discovering that love is not just a feeling, but it's about doing something. It's about action. Hope you enjoy the message. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. So we're uh, continuing, actually we're concluding a series called Love Does. And I want to bring us all back to week one, which was three weeks ago, where Pastor John taught us about this whole idea that, that love is a verb. It's action. It does something. And God is all about that sort of love. Amen? And then we kind of pressed into this whole idea of love, and we looked specifically at what love does, and we learned that love forgives. That's still a hard one, isn't it, church? <laughs> we learned that love serves, and then today we're going to talk about this whole idea that love encourages, and I was able to experience that uh, this week in an incredible way, actually a way that I had never experienced it before. It was... Wednesday night, I happened to be at the World Series with my youngest son, and I received a text, and uh, we, uh, I, I returned that um, text the next morning, very early. It was one of our members whose uh, neighbor had passed away, and uh, she was left uh, really with zero family. And her husband had passed away like 16 years ago. So she's kind of all by herself. And he took it upon himself to say, you know what? This lady deserves to be honored. And so he said, I know this is last minute, but at 11 o'clock uh, today over at Oakwood's uh, uh, um, Cemetery, um, could you say some words? And was able to jock some things around and, and show up there. And he said, Rob, by the way, uh, it just might be me or there may be a few other neighbors. He goes, I spent the day yesterday knocking on doors saying that so-and-so passed away and we're going to do this service to honor her life. And I know it's last minute, but if you could show up, that'd be wonderful. So I have no idea what I'm walking into, but I pulled up there uh, at the cemetery, and I pulled over on the side of the road, and there was uh, a few people gathered, and then as I got closer and closer, I, <laughs> church, there were probably, and again, I didn't count, but probably anywhere from 15 to 20 people that showed up, and, and, and from my best guess and estimation, she might have been that neighbor that was the get-off-my-lawn kind of neighbor, the neighborhood watch person that was the unofficial neighborhood watch person, the one that knew everything about what was happening. But church, as, as we stood there, and I shared some words, and then I asked, hey, this is informal. Would anyone like to talk about their neighbor? And one person after another shared a story. And one lady in particular said with her heavy accent, she said, I could never let a person be put into the ground all alone. And that's why I came here today. And here you see these neighbors encouraging one another and talking to one another. 
And at the end of the service, instead of just leaving, I stood there and I said, again, this is so informal and, and I apologize if this was weird, but I have to tell you guys, you have poured into my life today. This is absolutely amazing in a world where we hear all this negativity to see a group of people come together and honor a life that maybe you didn't even know much about. I said, that encourages this guy. And I would guess, doesn't that encourage you here today? You see, love does. Love encourages us. We're going to press into this more here this morning. But before we do that, let's, uh, let's pray. God, you know this is, a, this is a topic I would, if I could, just preach on every Sunday. Um, I'm so grateful that I have life here today. And I'm so grateful that you've arranged everything the way you have to where I'm humbled to be able to be your servant, to be able to communicate these words. I certainly don't deserve it. And God, for all of us, as we sit here, and as life, as Mandy has shared, has brought the good, the bad, and the ugly, we, um, we are so fortunate to find ourselves in your house. God, we want to hear from you this morning. We want to be encouraged by your words this morning. Lord, uh, speak life into our lives, into the depths of our souls. May we be encouraged, and may you be encouraged in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. So I want to just jump right into the message here this morning. And as we've done it uh, all three weeks, we're going to have three points here. And the first one, if you're taking notes, write this down, Barnabas encouraged. Barnabas encouraged. And what we're going to do is we're going to go to the book of Acts. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. These fine gentlemen are going to make their way down. And we're going to go to Acts chapter 9. And if you've been going to church here for the last few months, this passage should be very familiar to you, uh, the beginning part of chapter 9. But we're going to look towards the end of chapter 9 now. But as you're turning there, let me remind you of what Acts chapter 9, why it's such a a verse or a passage that is very familiar because here we're introduced to uh, Saul's conversion. And if you're not familiar who, with who Saul is, Saul was this Pharisee of all Pharisees. Saul was all about um, making sure that the law was um, known and that the law was obeyed uh, to, to the very, to the very um, exact dot in the crossing of the T. This was, this was Saul. He was very passionate. He was very educated. He was very influential. And we'll see in Acts chapter 9, if you, if you want, go back and read this. He's going to have this experience with God because he was out to get the Christians. He was out to destroy those of the way because they were in the way. And, and again, not defense of Saul, but he was just doing what he thought God wanted him to do. So he would, he would applaud uh, the, the, the imprisonment of Christians, the death of Christians, and this is what's happening. Then he's on the road to Damascus. Uh, God zaps him. He has this Damascus experience that we, we, we often refer to it. He gets up. He's blinded. Uh, he has a conversation. Long story short, he gives his life to Jesus Christ. He's baptized, and immediately he goes into ministry. 
in, in this sense, he's, he goes and preaches the good news. And so if you're reading uh, along here in Acts chapter 9, chapter 9, you're going to get to verse 19, and you're going to see that, that Saul is now Paul, and he's preaching the good news in Damascus. But then, then he goes on, and then we're going to read here in verse 26. When he came to Jerusalem, who's he? Paul. <laughs> when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were what? <laughs> Okay, okay. They, he tried to join the disciples, but they were what? I mean, here's these guys that who knows what they've experienced. We know from the scripture. I mean, they got to see all kinds of craziness. And, and, and we see that they understand, well, they, they experience Jesus and all of his miracles and his teaching and his authority and his power and all this stuff. And here comes this guy, Saul, that they knew about. He probably perhaps even threatened some of them. He Maybe he killed some of their friends. Maybe he had some of their family members in prison. And so, okay, there was probably word that I, I know they didn't have TMZ back then. They didn't have, you know, uh, CNN or Fox News, but somehow word got out about this conversion. But if you're the disciples, you're like, I'm a little skeptical, right? I'm not so sure about this guy. And all of a sudden, he's showing up and he wants to hang. I mean, he used to be on, in that gang, but now he wants to be in your gang. So you can understand why there was a little concern, church. Yes? Okay, yeah, we got that quick, yes. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were afraid of him, not believing that he was really a disciple. <laughs> like they thought it was, you know, Halloween, and he was just trick-or-treating as a Christian, right? But Barnabas, <gasps> but who? Oh, go ahead and say it. It's a great name, ready? Barnabas, do it again, Barnabas. Now do it without spitting on your neighbor's back of the head, all right? No. Barnabas. Um, Barnabas, but here it is. Barnabas took him, who's him? Paul, and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of who? In the name of the Lord, he talked and debated with the Grecian Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the brothers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of what? Enjoyed a time of peace. It was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It grew in numbers, living in the fear of the Lord. So you see, as a result, Saul's ministry, who is now Paul, is flourishing. It says the people grew in great numbers. There was an incredible impact that Paul was having in Jerusalem, which was a significant place in its time and would be significant today. But tucked in between all of this verbiage is what? This guy named Barnabas. And, and we see that his name means son of encouragement. Son of encouragement. Write that down. Barnabas, son of encouragement. So what, what in the world happens here? 
Why is Paul able to join in on this group that was very skeptical of him? It was because of this guy named Barnabas, the son of encouragement. He saw the tension, he saw the confusion, he saw what was happening, and he stepped in and said, hey guys, I understand why you would be fearful, I understand why you would be concerned, I understand why you're skeptical, but I want to vouch for this guy. He is the real deal. And because he stood up, because he vouched for Paul, the ministry that God was doing in and through Paul Through his Holy Spirit, the passage says later, the encouragement that is given through the Holy Spirit into others' lives happened because of this guy named Barnabas. That's pretty powerful, isn't it, church? Not so convinced was this group of people, but now they are. Or at least they're willing to give him a chance. Because love does. Barnabas Barnabas didn't sit back and go, oh, this is going to play out. He pressed in and let God use him in a powerful way. Go back to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. And from my best uh, knowledge and studying uh, this week, this man's life, I think this is where we're introduced to him. We see that the church is young in Acts chapter 4. We see in Acts chapter 4, verse 32, all the believers were one in heart and one in mind. They claimed that any of their possessions uh, was his own, but they shared everything they had. Isn't that awesome, church? With great power, the apostles continued to testify. I mean, you see the beginning of the church, and in the midst of the beginning of the church, we, we see this. Verse 36, Joseph, a Levite, from Cyprus, whom the apostles called who? Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned. What did he do? He sold a field he owned. He brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. I don't think any of you would argue with me Well, you'll argue with me on a lot of things, but this statement right here just drips love, doesn't it? I want you to have an appreciation for this man that we don't talk about often. But here is a guy that's life was filled with the Holy Spirit. He steps in, in a critical moment, in the history of the church and says to the disciples, no, I vouch for this guy. And here, early on in his life, early in the church, he sells his property and he gives the money for the furthering of the gospel. Love does. Love encourages. How encouraged must you be if you were Saul, the new converted Paul, and you had a guy like him step up for you, vouch for you? 
How encouraged are you when the church is young and it's growing and the believers were together and you see one of your own step up in this way and sacrifice in this way? Church, would you be encouraged if you were in that group of people? Wouldn't you be encouraged if you were in that neighborhood and and, and you saw Barnabas sell his home because there was a great need for resources in the church to press forward? I would have to say if I'm standing there, I would be encouraged. Why? I was not there. But even a few months back, back in May, when I sat in that front row and we had that uh, campaign, Treasure for Treasures, do you remember And we had that treasure up here and we were going to have the goal of raising $250,000 in cash. And I had no idea what God was going to do. As a matter of fact, I walked in and out of fear many times in in that six weeks before we took that offering. But I remember just bawling in that seat right there as I watched people come forward and give whatever it was that they were giving. Specifically, I remember a couple that had just lost their job that week and they walked up and they put something in there. I remember a little eight, nine-year-old coming up and uh, giving their portion. I just remember looking back and there'd be a line on both sides of people ready. You know that encouraged my heart. And I know it encouraged your heart because you guys went nuts here. You went crazy praising God, amen? Can you imagine what... Barnabas's sacrifice did to encourage those around him. Barnabas oozed, dripped encouragement all over the place in his ministry. And I would ask this, or actually I'd make this statement of how encouraging encouragement is. How encouraging encouragement is. There is so much power in encouragement. And it's not just with the words we do or say, it's with the actions. Sometimes we never say a word, but we could give a hug, and that's just as encouraging, isn't it? It worked in the time of Barnabas, and it works today. What a great example of love being lived out in a large way. When you hear the name Barnabas, let those words, son of encouragement, ring true in your ears. Because that is the nickname, catch this, that is the nickname the community gave him because of the life he lived. For fun. What nickname would the community give you? What nickname would be associated with your name? Daughter of encouragement? Son of complaining? Daughter of criticism, son of generosity, daughter of hope, son of grumbling, griping. 
what nickname would be given to you because of how you live your life? Church, I would love that nickname, son of encouragement. Wouldn't you? Because really when you break that word down, it simply just means this. And I don't mean just because it doesn't, mean, it's not, it doesn't have power, but it really is simple. Encouragement, write this down, equals instilling courage. That's what we're doing. Think about that. That is what encouragement is. We are instilling courage into someone's life. Discouragement, then, the opposite of that is taking away courage. We're like a Hoover vacuum cleaner. We're just sucking the life out of somebody by giving critical words and demeaning words and negative words in someone's life. But encouragement comes alongside someone and it pushes them up towards Christ. I want to be known for that. How about you? And I battle that in my own life. I I gift out high on encouragement. Encouragement and leadership are right up there. That's my thing. I've got a lot of weakness too, okay? But this is why I wish I could talk about this all the time because that is where my heart beats is when I could come alongside you and I could push you up towards what God created you to be and not take you down and tear you down like a lot of people want to do. By the way, I'm not always perfect in this and please don't hear me saying that. But what I love to do is especially come alongside that person that's down, that person that's hurting, that person that's struggling, that person that society has said, I'm done with you, and come and breathe a little bit of life because sometimes it's just a little bit of life in someone's lungs that gets them to the place that God wants them to be. This is why love does. And love encourages. And if you're that negative person and you're that critical person and you're that ball-hung person, crucify that. Put it to death. Say no more. Bury it. Throw it in the ocean. Don't go fishing anymore. It's not worth it to tear people down, but it's worth it to build them up. And that is what we need to do, and that's what the church needs to do, because a lot of negativities happen out there in the world. I don't have to tell you that. Just turn on your TV, open up a magazine, turn on your phone. It's all there. We're so good at being critical and negative and cutting people down. It's time to build up the church, the people in this world. And we can't rely on Starbucks to do that and Target to do that and IBM to do that and Apple to do that. We got, it's the church. And wouldn't it be wonderful if the church was filled with a bunch of Barnabases? And when I asked you about your nickname, what would West Valley Christian Church's nickname be? I don't know what it is, but I would certainly love for us to be known as that church in the community that builds its community up. That doesn't go, oh, public schools over there are so bad. Oh, the hospital, I wish they were so much better. Oh, why are the, all those homeless right over there at ARCO or the AMPM? And oh, why don't they clean up their front, right? Church, last time I looked, we're not all that in a bag of chips ourselves, <laughs> right? Come on. Come on, we got a lot of growing to do ourselves. So let's grow together. See why I wish I could preach on this every week? Oh. He sold his field and he gave it to the apostles. 
Because again, what he was doing is saying, I've got your back. Feels good when someone has your back, doesn't it, church? Feels good when you're not having to do this thing called life all alone. If you go to Acts chapter 11, Acts chapter 11. Oh, listen to those Bible pages turn. Just be over-exaggerated when you do it. Kind of crumble a little bit. Just Yeah, there you go. It's, it's good stuff. Chapter 11, verse 22. News of this reached the ears of the church in Jerusalem. And they sent who? Barnabas to Antioch. When he received and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. A great number of people were brought to the Lord. There was a consistency about his life. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. You see, Barnabas was a son of encouragement. He helped this young Paul and stood in for them, for, and for him against the disciples who were questioning. And we're skeptical. We see that he sold a field and he gave all the resources to the apostles and their furthering of the kingdom. Here there's tension between Jews and Gentiles and, 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 and Barnabas steps in there. And again, he's the peacemaker. He brings calm. He encourages the situation. Over and over again, we see the son of encouragement dripping into the lives that are close to him, causing a ripple effect into the communities, the neighborhoods, and eventually the world. He's the guy on the team that says, yes, we could do this. We got this. Let's not give up. Love does. It encourages. And we see that this was true of Jesus' life. If you're taking notes, write this down. Jesus encouraged. How did he do that? He encouraged by giving hope. He encouraged by giving comfort. He encouraged by giving strength and giving wisdom. He encouraged by giving freedom. He encouraged by the way he taught, the way he lived, the way he acted, the way he carried himself. When people saw Jesus, and we, we looked through this in the book of Mark early on in the year, people were amazed. Amen? They were amazed. And because of Jesus' life and, and, and instilling courage in their lives to those that were down, to those that were out, to those that were outcast, to those that were struggling, to those that had pain, to those that were hurting, he came alongside them and he blew courage into their lives. He didn't say, no, woman, you're lousy. You should have never done that. You need to get out of here. Hey, guy, you need to get your act together. You need to shape up. You need to be a better man. And then you come to me. But Jesus said, come 
come to me as you are. And Jesus not only said, come to me as you are, he went to them as they was. And then when they, they had this interaction, they weren't the same because they were in the presence of Jesus. And by the way, oftentimes the scripture says, and the people were amazed. Why? Because love does. Love encourages. Like I said, the woman caught in adultery. He came alongside of her and says, who condemned you? No one. Well, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Love does. Love encourages. The demon-possessed man who laid naked in the graveyard cutting himself. He had so much pain and so much hurt and so much isolation. No one was for him. Everyone was against him except for one man, Jesus. And he has this encounter with Jesus, and Jesus instills courage in him. And then the next verse, we see that, that, that in Mark chapter 5, the people saw him. He was in his right mind and fully dressed. Church, it's amazing what words and encouragement can do to a person's life. Yeah, I'm not Jesus but I got him in me. You're not Jesus, but if you're a Christ follower, you have him in you. And like last week's passage, when did you help us when we said, when, when, when did we help clothe the people? When, 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 did we, when did we, when did we, right? And Jesus says, when you did all of that for the least of these, you did it to me or you did it for me. Yeah, I'm not Jesus, but I represent him here on this earth. And he could use my mouth, he could use my feet, he could use my hands to be an encouragement to those that are around me. And he could do it through you. Do you believe that, church? I mean, I think about the disciples in Mark chapter 4, and they're all freaking out. They're on, you know, they're on the lake, and the storm's up there. And, 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 oh, Jesus, don't you care? Don't you care? And this is in Mark chapter 4, verses 39 and 40. You can read that story. Oh, you don't care. You don't care. He's asleep on the cushion. I love that this says cushion. And Jesus, Jesus gets up, and he's like, oh, man. Now, you know, when someone wakes you up, church, do you want to be encouraging? No, you want to condemn them. To death on a cross or to, you know, just like, no, you can't wake me up. But even when Jesus gets woken up, he encourages and he says to the, to the, the storm, be still. And then he looks at the disciples and he's like, come on, dummies. Don't you know that? No, he didn't say that. I would have. Because don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. When you're filled with fear, what do you need to hear, church? You need to hear those words of comfort. Don't be afraid. I would guess that there's someone here today that is paralyzed in fear. That something has happened in your week or maybe even in your morning while you sit here and you're just like, I'm just going to grind it through here. But God doesn't want you to grind it through this service. He's here to, for you to hear words of encouragement. And maybe the words that you need to hear with whatever situation it is that you're facing right now. Don't be afraid. The power of the tongue is so powerful. One of my favorite verses is Proverbs 18. 
Proverbs 18, verse 21. This is one that you need to memorize, in my opinion. This is one that you should underline. This is one that you should quote. This is one that you should live out. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 says this. The tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruits. The Bible has the power to shoot venom into people's lives and kill them. Or it has the ability to shoot life into people's lives and restore them. You may not ever be up on a stage preaching before thousands. You may never sing a song. You may never be the CEO of a company. You may never drive that fancy car and have that influence that the world says is influence. None of that stuff matters. You're a Christ follower. You're a Christian. You've got Christ in you. You could change someone's life. Listen, listen. You could change someone's life. By just loving the way we're talking today. By coming alongside somebody and encouraging them. Maybe by just being there with them. Maybe by saying something. By maybe paying for something. By maybe doing something. But whatever that is, it tells that person, someone cares about me. My life does matter. I do have value. And let me tell you something. Most of the time when you let God lead you in that, you have no clue what you're doing at the moment. Why do I know that? Because I've been on the receiving end at times in my life where I was done. Not so much with life itself, but certainly ministry. How many times I was done with ministry in the last 28 years? And God sent someone at the right time to send a text or to give a hug or to send a card or just those words at the right moment where you went from feeling like you're a nobody and completely ineffective. Go with what God is saying to you in your heart. It may not make sense why you ask somebody the question that you ask them, or you go show up to somewhere where you don't know why you're there. God is calling you to a very important moment. Will you listen? Words that give life and hope. Why are we so critical and so negative? It's because we're so stinking insecure that we're going to put that on everybody else. Jesus. Jesus encouraged. Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. I'm not going to get into all the details, but I will tell you this. This 
verse has become my verse in the last two months as I've wrestled and as I've struggled. And I hope it's okay for you to hear that your pastor struggles um, because I do, just like any, any of you. As I take on some of your burdens and I take that on too much, um, as I take on the burden, um, and I'm always embarrassed to say this, but the upstairs has become quite a burden for me. A blessing, but a burden. And there's times where I just want to walk away. Here's a passage for all of you that ever feel that pain and that hurt and that wanting to give up. Jesus says this, words of encouragement in verse 28 of Matthew 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you what? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest in your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Church, Jesus encouraged, didn't he? Hundreds, if not thousands of verses I could have chosen that demonstrate this. But this is just one section of scripture that has encouraged me. Encourages those that are discouraged or downhearted or tired or weary or burdened, as this passage says. He says, come to me. Come to me and we'll do this together. We'll do this thing called life together. By the way, notice he says, I'm not going to take away the burden. I'm not going to take away the, the worrisome. But what's going to happen is you've been doing this by yourself. I'm going to come alongside of you, and the two of us together could do this. Jesus encourages. The last thing I'd like to say is this. Barnabas encourages, Jesus encourages. If you've been with us the last, qu- the last couple of weeks, I think you know what this third one is. I encourage, question mark. And that's for you to answer. Do you? Hebrews chapter three, verse 13 says, but encourage one another daily. Do you? First Thessalonians chapter five, 11, talks about encouraging one another. I have used this demonstration. I will use it over and over again. I have two files that are very important in my life. This file and this file. Okay? This file is cards and letters and notes that you have sent me over the last 20 plus years that have encouraged me. And there's times where I'm very discouraged and I will go into my filing cabinet and I will pull out this and I'll just pull out one or two and it encourages me. It brings life to me. But over the years, believe it or not, people have also sent me other notes and cards that have ended up in this file. Amen? Church, why would we ever want to send anybody in their life something that should end up in this file? I want to come alongside people and give them courage. How about you?
Let that be who we are. Stop with the negativity. Let God use you in a powerful way to bring people to a place that he created them to be. Personally, I hope you were encouraged today. Will you take this message and live it out there? Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, please visit us at wvcch.org. And if you haven't yet, you can subscribe to our weekly podcast, whether you use an Android or an iPhone. Or you can come to one of our four worship experiences every weekend. We would love to see you in person. Have a blessed day. Forget all my rebellions that you've always shown me. You forget all my rebellions and my.